You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. On this episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast, I'm going to be talking about the history of hypnosis. Believe it or not, it didn't just start in somebody's basement. Um, It's actually a part of history. So I'm going to talk about how and where it began and its evolution over the years. And also, as usual, I'm giving away a free hypnosis guide to all the listeners. Stay tuned. Get ready for the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright, originating from the suburbs of Detroit, Michigan. He has hypnotized thousands of people from all over the United States. David R. Wright has been featured on news outlets all across the country and is the clinical director of an outpatient mental health and hypnosis clinic located just south of Detroit, where he helps people daily using the power of hypnosis. Welcome, the Motor City Hypnotist, David R. Wright. What is up, people? David Wright here, the Motor City Hypnotist, back with another episode of the Motor City Hypnotist Podcast. Welcome back. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> yeah. With me is my producer, Matt Fox. Happy to be and we back. We are here in the podcast Detroit, Northville Studios. And uh, yeah, having a podcast. So thanks for dropping in and, and listening. Um, before we get started with the podcast, uh, let me give you some uh, some information as far as where you can find me. Uh, my website is MotorCityHypnotist.com. You can find the podcast there or you can find it on any of your major podcast providers. It is it is out there. So um, wherever you listen, you'll you'll find it. Just do a search on Motor City Hypnotist and it will pop up for you. Um, also on my website, as I offer each episode, is my free hypnosis guide. And you can find a link to that as well uh, in the show notes. And, and all the show notes will be on the website as well. You can follow me on social media, on Facebook, and on YouTube, Motor City Hypnotist, on Twitter, at Motor City Hypno, and on Instagram, Motor City Hypno. And if you would feel honored or if you'd feel compelled, feeling, <laughs> say feeling, honored, feeling, feeling, feel compelled to donate financially to the, <laughs> to the show, I would appreciate that as well. I do have a Patreon account and you can find me there. I will also provide the link to that in the show notes. And again, it's a donation to the show, but you also get cool stuff as well. Um, coffee mug, t-shirts, um, you get early access to audio and video. Um, and some other cool stuff. And in fact, um, one of the one of the rewards on there is uh, if you want to plug or promote something, I will do it here for you. So if you uh, just want to get a shout out, that's on there as well. So take a look at Patreon and, and um, yeah, I'd appreciate any donation you would like to provide and you get something back for it. That's fun. Yeah, absolutely. And again, as usual, my free hypnosis guide is available for any listener who wants that. And uh, that will be in the show notes as well. And the one thing, too, is also wherever you're listening, and, and again, it's on all the major podcast platforms, so wherever you listen, uh, just uh, subscribe to the show, and uh, I'd appreciate you also leaving a review, uh, rating it. Uh, that would help me out, and I would appreciate that. And you can also find me each week as I co-host the Psyched by MG podcast. We are off this week, but look for that one as well as I co-host that one. Very cool. All righty. So this episode of the Motor City Hypnotist podcast is brought to you by Banner Season. 
Online marketing is saturated and people rarely open their emails. Are you in sales or does your business market to customers? How do you connect with family, friends, and clients? Banner Season takes your marketing into the real world by delivering kindness and thoughtfulness directly to your clients physically. Imagine the excitement of your family, friends, and customers as they receive personalized cards and gifts in their mailboxes. Go to bannerseason.com slash fantastic and begin today to express kindness and make connections with others. So we thank them for that sponsorship and check that out. A um, lot of cool stuff there too, as far as uh, things to send to people, as far as personalized gifts and personalized cards. And it's done automatically, which really, uh, the one thing that I use this for is um, I'm terrible with birthdays. And uh, same, <laughs> I can set up the whole calendar year uh-huh. at the beginning of the year and it just gets sent automatically. I never have to think about it. Okay, so you just solved like 20 issues for me. <laughs> right. Yes. I mean, whatever whatever the occasion, you could have a list for birthdays, for anniversaries, whatever you want to do. Yeah. You, so, yeah. Okay, make it 50 now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thanks, David. Any significant date, you can set up a list to have that go out automatically. So yeah, it's a cool it's a cool um I don't say program, it's a cool site. Um, and yeah, and, and just again, full disclosure, if you if you follow my link, bannerseason.com slash fantastic, I do get a cut of that, but it doesn't affect your pricing at all. So again, um, just because I'm an affiliate for them. Awesome. Cool. You know what it's time for? I do. I'm excited. That's how winning is done. It is the winner of the week time. And um, we have a lot of – I'm going to keep a list of those. We're going to go back and maybe review those at some point yeah, just for fun yeah. uh, of all of our winners. <clears throat> maybe at some point we'll have a winner of the year. That <laughs> may be possible. Um, and this one, it, actually, it's really simple. And for me, it's just something that, again, it's my podcast, so I can just put things on there I enjoy. That's it, it, correct. The, this week is Major League Baseball. Because they're uh, – Because they just opened the season yesterday. They opening did. day. And mm-hmm. the Tigers opening day in Detroit it is, is tonight. On, to, I thought they were playing Monday. 6 p.m. That's their first home game. Home game, right. right They're right. in Cincinnati tonight. All right, got it. They start at 6.05. But the way the schedule works out a little bit uh, this year is very different. It's like they're it is. Like 10 well, game blocks. Well, there's only like 60 games. And I'm, I'm going to – forgive me if you guys aren't sports fans, all your <laughs> listeners out there. If you are, you're going to love this because I'm a sports geek. But the great thing this year also is that eight teams make the playoff from each league ah. rather than typically it would be the three division winners, two wild cards, and one one so team five. will get a bye. So right. it'd be five total. Um, so yeah, eight teams are making the playoffs from each division. Plus with a shortened season, it's kind of like any everybody's got a shot in right. a way. Right. You got off hot and well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. I, you know, I grew up, I, I'm sorry, we're having a sports, sports, uh, diversion here. We're going to get off on a tangent just for a minute, but I grew up in like the seventies. Um, when I was aware, I was like, I was five in 1970. So I grew up in a decade where everybody was terrible. Mm-hmm. Tigers were terrible. The Red Wings stunk. The Pistons were terrible. Lions have always been what they are, <laughs> but I remember the, it seemed like as a kid, it seemed like a hundred years before the Tigers had won anything. And it really only been since 68 right. It was because I was three. I didn't remember it, mm-hmm. but, um, so yeah, baseball for me, I just like it. And typically I like it because it's a, it, it's a foreshadowing of spring. 
and weather changing, right. and it just brings me happiness. And it's a bit different. Again, if you're a sports fan, you probably watched a couple of the games last night. You know, it's weird having no people in the stands at all. They they had a cardboard cutouts. They did in, in Dodger and, in Dodger yeah. Stadium. They yep. did have cardboard cutouts, yep. and and it's weird because you can. The thing that's interesting is you hear a lot more. Right on the field. On the field. Yeah. I mean, you can f- hear things like, especially when the when the pitcher's pitching, you hear that crack in the catcher's mitt, clear as day now. Huh. It's really it's it's in in I'm hoping they're going to get close enough to get conversations as right, with right. players have. that would be cool. Hmm. So again, I like baseball. Baseball's back at least for now. Mm-hmm. So that is our winner of the week. That's how winning is done. That's how winning is done, MLB. Thanks so much. So today, and, and this, don't run away as soon as I say this, listeners. Today, we I'm going to share with you the history of hypnosis. And I know this sounds like a boring school subject that you have to, like, stay awake in your sixth hour for. But, right. um, but I think everything you find had, some of this fascinating. Everything had to start somewhere. Right. And this is something I, I'm not privy to know at all. So okay. this is going to be somewhat intriguing uh, to, uh, to listen about and learn. Well, and in, in I said in the, in the intro, uh, just when I was introing the show a few moments ago, you know, this just didn't come out of somebody's basement one day. Right. It, it, it wasn't – somebody didn't – I shouldn't say somebody didn't invent it. it. It's been a progression. Just, just like I would say in the medical field, things right. have progressed over hundreds of years to where we're at now. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to start by giving you the earliest references that there have been to hypnosis. And, and again, the earliest references go back to ancient Egypt and Greece. It goes back that far. Wow. Okay. Of course, in Greek mythology, any of you mythology students out there, hypnos – is the god of, or the god or personification of sleep, which is where the word hypnosis comes from. Okay, based on that Greek god, um, and that's again that's where hypnosis, the word originated from, since he is the god of sleep. There's a Roman equivalent also in their mythology known as Somnus, S O M N U S. It's interesting because this Somnus, and I don't know if you've ever heard the term at somnambulist. No, I have not. Okay, somnambulist is what it, we in the hypnosis field call someone who is a um, a great subject. And by that, I mean they're very susceptible to hypnotic suggestion. Mm-hmm. In fact, a somnambulist, I, could, I, I can get them under in like three seconds. Interesting. They're, they're that open and they're that susceptible? responsive to hypnosis. It's instant for them. In fact, many somnambulists that, that I've worked with over the years, um, it's it, especially if I'm doing a show with a, a stage show, th- there might be somnambulists in the audience. And I say, listen, if you don't, just in case you're, you're susceptible to this and you don't want to have an effect, just leave now. Just, you know, it's, it's, they can be subject to it just by hearing it sometimes, hmm. which, which is a good thing and not a good thing, depending on where you're at. So anyway... Th- these are the terms that go back to where hypnosis, that the word hypnosis comes from. And in fact, both of these cultures had religious centers, which is typical of most cultures, where people come for help with their problems and their issues and, and their physical health. So that kind of ties into it. It's a, it. It began helping people way back in ancient Egypt and Greece. There are many references to trance and hypnosis in early writings going back to like 2600 BC, actually using those words. 
Um, the father of Chinese medicine, Wang Hai, wrote about techniques that involved incantations and passes of the hands. Now, I know that sounds really crazy, but we're talking about 2600 BC, which, you know, it's kind of ancient. Um, and also the Hindu Vedas, EDAS, written around 1500 BC, mentions hypnotic procedures. So, I mean, this is going, you know, thousands of years back as far as these, these, this, you can see the start of where this, um, where hypnosis comes from. Right, right. And a lot of other religion, a lot of other organizations over the years have used trance-like states, like the shaman culture, the druids, voodoo, uh, yogic, and I'm not even sure what that that is specifically. And a lot of religious practices use this trance-like thing. Um, in fact, one of the examples I use when a lot of people have an issue, when, when I, especially if I do shows, mm -hmm. or if somebody even comes in in person, They'll, they'll be very concerned that hypnosis goes against their religious beliefs, that it's like demonic in some way. Really? Okay. They, they, because they think it's mind control. And, I, and we did that whole episode covering the secrets of hypnosis where I go over those misconceptions. Ah. But if you look at even like the Catholic religion, just the process of the rosary mm -hmm. is a form of hypnosis. Because you're repeating something and moving beads, and you're right. that that is a that causes people to be in a trance-like state. Mm -hmm. Makes a lot of sense to me now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and again, if you look at Protestant religions, you can pretty much look at any religion, and there's some form of that, some form of trance state in most all of them. Hmm. Um, even if you're a, again Protestant, um, you know, just uh, praying can be a form of trance. Because you're focused into one thing, your right. mind isn't thinking about anything else. Um, so, so you can see a lot of religious history is filled with things that are trance-like and hypnotic-like, hmm. right? which is which is why it's continued to this day. Now, the, what, what's considered the the modern father of hypnosis was an Austrian physician, and you, as soon as I say his name, Matt, you'll know why where this comes from. Franz Mesmer. You know what? This is going to be mesmerizing to me. Yes, it is. <laughs> Mesmer. Mesmer. Mesmer was okay. his name. Yep. All right. Um, Franz Mesmer was born in 1734. Again, he was an Austrian physician. And again, from his name is where mesmerism comes from. Hmm. That's where that term comes from. Got it. Yeah. The, the fuck are you doing? Now, the reason I played that is because at the time, Mesmer was kind of seen as a bit of a kook. <laughs> because, you don't say. Yes, yes. <laughs> and and if, if you're interested in seeing, there's actually a movie about Franz Mesmer. Alan Rickman played him in a movie that came out in 94 okay. called Mesmer. I, di I, I didn't know this. This, yeah. is new, this is new for me, too. Mm-hmm. Um, Alan Rickman played Franz Mesmer, and it, it, I will say it's an okay movie. It, it wasn't high budget, but okay. it did give it did go through the, his whole process. So, what Mesmer believed is that, and here's another term that everybody's heard of, but you might not know where it comes from. Okay, he termed the he coined the term animal magnetism. Really? Yes. That was coined by Mesmer, and he had the idea that diseases are results of blockages in the flow of magnetic forces in the body. And he believed he could store this animal magnetism in baths. In baths? <laughs> baths, yes. <laughs> so again, I, it sounds a bit kooky, but what, what he 
what he did it's let's go back to ancient medicine a lot of things that were done 100 years ago we would look at now and think what what why would you do that right it just seems archaic so so again thinking that this was back in the 1700s mm-hmm. they're probably going to be some screwed up ideas right i would think wait a minute this could be some kind of scam yeah, or like, possibly it, scam all uh, It's got to start somewhere. Well, though. sure. Yeah. So, so Mesmer kind of really, really pushed this idea of what became hypnosis. Again, mesmerism then becoming hypnosis. And, and the thing with Mesmer, and this is where this whole, uh, this whole perception of hypno, hypnotists come from, because he would wear a cloak and he had this goatee and he would be very flamboyant with his with his inductions, whatever we call them. Okay. So that whole character, that whole uh, um, uh, that that whole image of hypnotists come from him way back in the day. Hmm. Um, and again, uh, he he had a form of indirect suggestion, which is not telling somebody to do something directly, but you kind of indirectly say it. Right. And again, it's just dropping what we call uh, subliminal messages. So again, he started that way back in 1700s. Hmm. Um, the next major contributor to hypnosis was John Elliotson. He was a professor at London University. He actually introduced the stethoscope to England. <laughs> interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. I found that. So he was a big believer in Mesmer's teachings and tried to push this. Uh, unfortunately, again, it was just kind of seen as kooky and he got fired. They pushed him out. Mm. But he would give demonstrations of mesmerism in his own home. And, and he just because of that, a lot of literature was written about it during that time okay. in the late 1700s. Uh, and then the next I guess the next major one in the chain here is James Braid. Who is he was a pioneer of hypnosis in Great Britain. Uh, he was a Scottish eye doctor, and he developed an interest in mesmerism, what would become hypnosis, because he was an eye doctor. He found a patient in the waiting room staring into an old lamp with his eyes glazed over. Uh-huh. Okay. So Braid, this doctor, was fascinated. So he gave the patient some commands, telling him to, to close his eyes and go to sleep. And when the patient complied. He just had this light bulb went off in his head. He goes, wow, what, what's going on here? Right. So this is where the fixation on, a, on an object comes in. That's where this started in hypnosis by, by James Braid. So this led to the swinging watch he would use to have somebody fixate on that moving object right in front of their eyes. Wow, that's where that that again. That's what I always whole, thought. That's why yeah, I was the, the swinging watch. The swinging thing, watch. Yes. That's what I always thought of when you know the ver- one of the first questions you asked me when you started your shows right. was when you think of hypnosis, what do you think of? And I'm like, oh, big shows and people, yeah, you yeah. Know, doing strange things. But it's always that watch. Yeah, it's that always that that character of guy with a pocket watch. Yeah, you know. Yeah. What in blazes are you talking about? Yeah, I know. It's, it sounds, it sounds, it, 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 and, and again, people have that perception or have that image in their head, but where did it come from? Now we know. Right. Yeah, it came from James Braid. And this, this technique of eye fixation is actually used today. It's actually what I use when I, when I start, when I do an induction with a client or on stage. I have people focus on a, on a lamp or an object and have them stare at that until they feel their eyes being tired. And what in in the way I do it, I say stare at this object, but try not to blink. And as soon as I say try not to, they want to blink because right. I'm telling them again. Here's that indirect suggestion. And then when they find themselves blinking, 
then I have them close their eyes. Right. So, so, so this, this eye fixation is that most hypnotists today are using some form of that. Gotcha. And that's where that came from way back in 18. James Braid was uh, 1795 to 1860. Hmm. So we're approaching kind of current times here. Getting there. Yeah. And hopefully this is not too boring for people, but but again, this this brings us right up to present and how this this, this evolved into what it is today. So there was a surge, a British surgeon practicing in India. His name was James Esdale. Hmm. So he recognized the benefits of hypnosis for pain relief and performed hundreds of operations using only hypnosis as an anesthetic. As an anesthetic? Yes. So okay. no, no anesthetic, just using hypnosis. So he returned to England and tried to convince the medical establishment that they should use hypnosis. Unfortunately, and, and boy, this sounds like it would happen today. This was back in 1800, 1850 or so. Unfortunately, the, the whole... Um, uh, the, the the whole government or the whole medical community like just just pushed them away because they wanted they wanted real anesthesia used because it made them more money. Right. Hey, hey, that arm's got to go. You're getting very <laughs> sleepy. Right. Right. <laughs> and and we're, we're going to come up to that. But but there's there's a few interesting videos on YouTube if you want to see. Either. There's one, there's a specific one, and I believe this one was in Great Britain where they're doing. Um, uh, doing dentistry without anesthesia. Uh, yeah. Of all the things that just, people think of pain. I just got goosebumps when you said oh, that. Oh, I know. It, it's <laughs> Yeah. So so there's some interesting stuff out there regarding hypnosis and pain relief or using it as an anesthetic. So let's move on. We move on to an, an Emile Coe, who was a Frenchman and he started using this term, and this is the term that has lasted until this day because I know many hypnotists and hypnotherapists who use this term word for word. Hmm. Day by day, in every way, I am getting better and better. And this was an affirmation that he would have his clients say. And this would change their, their mental outlook, of course, which is what hypnosis is designed to do. And he, this, and from this, from this, this attaching this, um, this technique for affirmation, he began getting into the whole idea of placebos. Hmm. And if you tell somebody this will work and they don't know any better, right. it works. Right. And this brings in the whole mental aspect. And again, maybe I, I know there are a lot of placebo trials that people volunteer for, but, but back then I'm, I'm, he would suggest to patients that they're told they were given a drug, which will cure them. And in many cases they were cured and never had a drug. Right. Again, the placebo, that's where that comes from as right. well. Um, so the next big one, and everybody knows who this is. Sigmund Freud is the next major oh, I've got character to, to come into hypnosis. And again, he lived from 1856 to 1939. Um, so Sigmund Freud was really interested in hypnosis and initially used it extensively in the beginning of his career. He eventually abandoned it because he went. He got more into the psychoanal psychoanalysis, but the reason he abandoned it because he wasn't very good at it. <laughs> okay, he wasn't. He wasn't very successful with it. I'm very important. Uh... <laughs> so, and, and if this is a this is a side side note, um, if anybody has seen the show Freud on Netflix, they do 
work in this hypnosis thing in the first couple of, of episodes. Okay. In fact, he had set someone up, and I don't know if this is historically accurate, but he wanted to ensure success in front of a panel of these medical experts. So he had he got a stooge hmm. to play along. Okay. And what happened was she really got hypnotized and freaked him out. <laughs> um, because she again, was susceptible. Apparently. Well, yeah. <laughs> she was planning on playing along, but when it really worked – Okay. She was amazed and he was amazed as well. <laughs> now, I don't know if that's historically accurate, but but we do know Freud did mess around with hypnosis. Mm-hmm. And again, he wasn't very good at it. And then he went on to psychoanalysis, which is a whole another podcast. Just that theory and alone, we, we could spend that's hours That's probably on. two or three, actually. Yeah, that could be a lot. <laughs> which brings us close to current. So that the next big figure in the field of hypnosis is Milton Erickson, and he was born in 1901 and actually died in 1980. So he would be like the modern version of these pioneers in hypnosis. And his his teachings are are actually, I learned a lot about Erickson in school because most hypnosis, most approaches right now are, I'll say, Ericksonian in, in nature. He, he, he put together all of the major uh, processes for hypnosis that, that have been done over the last, you know, Hundred years okay. came from Erickson or close to that. I don't know when he started. I know he's born in 01, so he probably started, let's say, in, in 1930s. Okay. Um, so he became fascinated by, psycho- fascinated by psychology. And again, he used things like metaphor, surprise, confusion, and humor mm-hmm. as, as ways to, to work hypnosis with someone. And again, when we talk about surprise, there's a whole approach with hypnosis that is called a shock induction, where somebody's when you shock somebody, and I don't say like like actually electrical shock, but you know, if I go to shake somebody's hand and I just pull it, and you'll see in some of my videos on stage shows, you'll see that happen. And what I'm doing there is is they don't expect it, and and as soon as their mind becomes alert, I can give them a command, and because their mind is off track for a moment, right. they'll just accept that suggestion. Huh. There, there, there's somebody that does that on the normal. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. If mm-hmm. you ever watch uh, the video of him shaking hands, he, he grabs her hand and he pulls them, he pulls that person into yes, him. Yes. That, that's, a, that's a big technique. And you know who does that as well, if you've seen it, is Trump. Yeah. We'll, that's we'll who, exactly that. who I'm talking He's about. He's done it with world leaders. Yeah. He when he shakes their hand, he just pulls, pulls them in. towards him. And, and that's a, it, it's kind of this, this move that shows, yeah. you know. I'm in it's charge. A, it's an aggressive move. It is an aggressive move. <laughs> it really <Yes>. is. <laughs> so all of these all of these pioneers come to where we're at today. And and luckily today, hypnosis is is a lot more accepted than it was back in Mesmer's day. And again, Mesmer had some crazy ideas as well thrown in there. But but you see where something develops. Again, we're going from ancient, way back to ancient Greece and Rome, mm-hmm. where they had, you know, they, they Again, it's mythology, but they had this god called Hypnos, and, and they were fascinated with sleep, and, and it just developed from there. Mm-hmm. So hypnosis, in one form or another, has been around for thousands and thousands of years, hmm. and it developed into what we use it for today. And, and, and again, I want to go back to the great thing now is that there's a lot more acceptance of it, especially in the medical community. I would imagine. I, I work. I've worked with a lot of doctors in the past. Um, I have. I have friends, colleagues who are hip, hypnotists and hypnotherapists mm-hmm. that specifically work with dentists or specifically work with pain management mm-hmm. doctors. Um, 
So, so there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of medical uses for hypnosis, but also just again we go back to the personal development and changes in subconscious thinking because that's what hypnosis does. Sure. And when we can relax the mind, and I can provide suggestions, and you accept those suggestions, you're changing the thinking patterns, and that's that's where this is developed from something that was used to be called mesmerism and animal magnetism. To the point now where it's not so crazy, it's not so mysterious, it's not so like weird. No. You um, know, the human brain itself, we know nothing about the human brain. This is just one more area mm-hmm. to figure out what makes our brains tick. Right. Right. How can we control it just that much more? And, and I won't be able to recall specific uh, – there, there have been studies done that show there's a change in brain patterns when somebody is under hypnosis. I would imagine, yeah. Yeah. And they can, and I, I wish I could quote the specific study and what the results were, but um, I don't have that right off the top of my head. But that's something I'll look at or pull up for for a future podcast to take awesome. a look at. So yeah, hypnosis is definitely it's it's been around for thousands of years. It's developed into what we know it as today, which is which is a, as I say in every episode, if you change your thinking, your 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 feelings and your behaviors will follow. And the quickest way to do that is with hypnosis. So again, before we end here, I know we're close to the end of the episode here. Uh, My free hypnosis guide is available as it is every episode, and it's in the show notes. If you can find that link there, you can download that free hypnosis guide. And next episode, we're going to be discussing hypnosis specifically for weight management. Ooh. And, And I say weight management and not weight loss because weight loss is a tricky term, and a lot of people get, I don't know, in fact, I found out the hard way. If you do an advertisement on Facebook for weight loss anything, mm-hmm. it gets banned. Oh wow. Yeah. I didn't I haven't I wouldn't yeah. know that because I'm always eating. So Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> so and we'll get into more why I'll get into that specific story in the next episode. But yeah, we're gonna be talking about hypnosis for weight management. Uh, so definitely come back and join us for that one because I will also have a um I'm gonna be promoting my uh hypnosis for weight management mp3 recording at that time awesome awesome well we are done for this episode everyone i want to thank you for dropping in and listening join us for the next episode change your thinking change your life laugh hard run fast and be kind i will see you soon